Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out with me today. We're going to be going to several different verses of Scripture today, so be ready to go to those along the way. We're continuing our lecture series called My Fellow Americans this morning, and I hope that we have tried to lighten the mood. We've tried to do some fun things to kind of get you at ease because we believe that God wants you to be at peace. Amen? He wants you to be at rest. He wants you to be calm about what's going to happen because the fact is, regardless of what happens... This is a tenet of faith that we have to live on, is that God is in control. Amen? I said God is in control. No matter what happens, God is still in control. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As Christians, we are not going to live defeated. We're not going to live discouraged. We're not going to live dismayed. We are going to live as alphas in a world that we've been given by God to dominate in. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So be encouraged this morning. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, God has got this. God has this. God's got this. God's in control and He's working it out. And so this morning I want to preach to you, get out the vote. Get out the vote. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fun that we've had in this place today, God. We thank you for your presence that is coming to this house this morning. And I pray that, Lord, this morning you would anoint me to mobilize an army called the church to move upon this nation and move upon this city and to do something that transforms the lives of individuals all over the world. We believe that, God, you've placed us for this season and this time that it's not by coincidence that we find ourselves right here in the timeline of history and we're looking forward to being used by the purpose of God for the kingdom of God to advance what you want to see done in this earth. God, we're not without hope this morning. We are confident in this that God is still seated on the throne this morning and He's still standing in a place of authority and that whatever happens, He's got this today. We thank you for the anointing of God in this place this morning. Somebody say amen to the Lord today. I said last week that I believe that we stand at a pivotal point, a crossroads. As a nation, we are either going to continue down the path of corruption and immorality, or we are going to have a spiritual renewal that ushers in the presence and the power of God once again in our nation. I'm believing for, praying for, trusting for the latter this morning. I believe that the church is going to be the difference maker in the situation. The first point that I want to bring home to you this morning is that this is huge, folks. (laughs) Can't say it enough. This is huge. This is probably the most important election in the history of the United States. Again, we stand at that pivotal point that will decide really the direction that our country goes in. And I'm not talking about just an election. I'm talking about a people who will decide whether or not they're going to surrender their country to the enemy 
or they're going to stand in opposition to his plans and purpose and say, regardless of what happens in the political arena, there's another arena that we're fighting in. It's called the spiritual arena this morning. And uh, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. I said mighty for the pulling down of strongholds today. There is a church still. There is a remnant of people still that love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength that are on the move today. I believe the church is going to make a difference. You're a part of that this morning. We're blessed in this country and at this present time to have a voice. That is a blessing from God. Depending on the direction we go, that may not always be the case. But today you have a voice. We have a voice. You have a God-given right to vote your conscience and speak out concerning the direction you feel is best to go in. My, my, my plea to you today is this is huge. Don't waste your voice. Get out the vote. Get out the vote. Jeremiah 51 and 10 says this, The Lord has revealed our righteousness. Come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. He says it's time for the church to speak. It's time for the church to prophesy. It's time for the church to declare. It's time for the church to speak the truth of God in their nation. We've got to reveal righteousness through our tongue and through our declarations. It is the duty. It is the duty of every Christian to speak, to declare, to persuade, and to advance the agenda of God. I said it is the duty of every single Christian to speak, to declare, to persuade, and to advance the agenda of God. It is the duty of us as Christians, blood-bought, redeemed, child, children of the living God, to speak, declare, persuade, and advance God's agenda in this earth. We are where we are as a nation because of Christian apathy. We are where we are as a nation because of complacency. A refusal by the church of the living God to engage. We have surrendered the gates of influence without a fight. But God has called us. God has called each and every one of us to occupy those gates. We need Christian men and women in office from local positions to state and national positions. People that will carry in themselves the person and the presence of Jesus Christ and will speak on His behalf. We need godly people to lead our country. And the reason we don't have godly people in positions of power today is because they have refused to engage in the process. They've stood on the sidelines and they've let the vacuum of leadership be filled with people who carry darkness rather than the light of Jesus Christ. Apathy. Apathy. People who will speak on Christ's behalf. People that will uphold the principles of God. Who will not waver. On truth. I'm not counting on politicians to get the job done. It is the church that will get the job done. It is the church that will get the job done this morning. Jeremiah 21.12 says, set up the standard. Listen to this scripture. Set up the standard on the walls of Babylon. We are living in Babylon today. 
And he says, set up the, the standard on the walls of Babylon. Make the guards strong. Set up the watchmen. Prepare the ambushes. For the Lord has both devised and done what He spoke against the inhabitants of Babylon. There is a movement taking place today. It's the movement of the church. The church is rearing back in power. It is coming back in force. It is coming back in authority. And if the church will stand up together and be a people that stand together, there is no gate of hell that can stop us. There is no enemy that can stop us, but we will accomplish what God has sent us to do. Last election, Ted Cruz said that 54 million Christians stayed home. 54 million Christians refused to give their voice in a process. 54 million Christians allowed the enemy to neutralize them, to bring apathy upon them, and keep them from engaging in the process. Listen, I believe this with all my heart, and I don't know if this will make me popular or not. Not looking for that. But you have a responsibility to vote. I'm just saying to you, this is not a PC church. You'll find that out. So if this offends you, that is, I promise you, that is not my goal. I promise that's not my goal. But you have a responsibility to vote. Men and women fought and died on the battlefield to bring liberty and freedom to this country. They deserve our investment back in a republic, in a society that honors that. You have a responsibility to vote. I've heard too many Christians this election and several elections say they're disgusted by both candidates. I get that. I get that. They are refu- Because they're disgusted, though, they're refusing to vote. When we refuse to do that, we are surrendering to the enemy. He has just neutralized your voice. He has neutralized your voice. You have given up without a fight. That is not the church that we are. Amen? I told you last week, and I'll tell you again. God has used worse people than these two to do great things. He's used worse people than these two to do great things. Throughout the Bible, He has used people with glaring character flaws to save a nation. He has used people with weak moral character to restore the nation of Israel. And He can use either one of these two to do the same again. If you have your eyes on Trump or Hillary to save this nation, you got your eyes on the wrong person. So get out the vote. Because this is huge. This is monumental. And the church has to be engaged. And I'll say this as well. I said this last week. I'll say it again. A Christian that refuses to vote because of the character flaws of a candidate ought to take a good look in the mirror. There comes a point. They're the religious spirit in this nation is neutralizing the church. Because people on their high horse, with their sins still hidden, stand on the sidelines criticizing those whose sins are openly shown. But we got to get off our high horse, we got to get off our religious stand and seek the direction of the Lord and follow His leading. Because I can guarantee you this, That we serve a God who desires for His church to be engaged and not neutralized. I don't have a question about that. God gave you a voice. He expects you to use it. This is huge. 
This is huge. Say it with me. This is huge. (laughs) Second thing I want to say to you, that we are stronger together. We are stronger together. The problem with the church is, and has been, that it can't come together and agree on anything. Rather than finding common ground, the church spends a great deal of time focused on the things that separate rather than the things that unite. Is it true or not? It has been a well-played, effective tactic of the enemy to get our attention on the differences rather than the commonalities. But we have more in common with the beliefs of the Baptist, the Methodist, the Church of Christ, etc. than we have differences with them. And the fact is that we have let 5 to 10% differences be the focus rather than the things that bind us together and unite them. I told our prayer people this morning, and I believe it to be the truth, if a church carries in their name the banner of Jesus Christ and that is the covering over that house, I can support that church. I may not agree with everything that goes on. I may not like the things that they do, but I can get behind the fact that they still serve Jesus Christ and He is Lord of their life. Church has got to learn to unite and work together because we're stronger together. But until that day comes, we have to, at at the very least, we have to come together under this house. We must be a church that is united together behind the common purpose and plan of God. I don't think that there's ever been a time in our church history where we feel the unity more than we do now. And, and the strength more than we do now. We feel God surging and God moving and God working and God advancing the church. And if you're not feeling that, I invite you to come and be a part of it. I invite you to assimilate yourself right into the flow of what God is doing right here. Let's get united. Let's get together. Let's advance on this city. Let's change this region. Let's make a difference in people's lives. That's what God's given us the power to do. And again, I want to say refusing to let the things that we differ in opinion on, refusing to let those things stop us from coming together to seek God and His plan. What I'm saying to you this morning is I don't care who you vote for. I care that you pray about it. I care that you seek God about it. And I care that you follow the will of God concerning what He says to you. And I want us as a church to unite behind these commonalities. First of all, again, God is in control. That's something we can all unite behind. Politicians can't fix the problem. That's another thing we can agree on. We're going to love one another and be there for one another no matter what happens. And then fourthly, the church is the answer for the world's woes, not the government. Those four things we can get behind. We can support one another on. We can be there for one one each other on. If we stand together, there is no power that can defeat us. In unity, we are undefeatable. Isaiah 54, 17, again, I want to read it to you. It says, no weapon formed against, say it with me, us can prosper. No weapon formed against us can prosper. Not no weapon formed against me. But against us, together, we're stronger. We're stronger together. We need our family. We need our friends. We need the support of one another. From the Message Bible, John 17, 20, Jesus prayed. He says, I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe 
You hear it? Then the world might believe. The world might be convinced. If the church could get off its high horse, if the church could forget about differences, if the church could come together, then the world might believe that Jesus sent us into this place, that there's something different, that there's something special, that there's something better. That the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me, then you will, they'll be mature in this oneness. And give the godless world evidence that you sent me and love them in the same way that you love me. Let's give this godless world some evidence that there is a God-anointed, God-empowered church of the living God which still has the presence of God on this earth and we're not going to be nullified by the enemy. We are stronger together. Lastly, we, the church, is going to make America great again. The church is going to make America great again. Not Donald Trump, not the Republicans, not the Democrats, not Hillary Clinton, not some independent that we just heard about yesterday. Not any of those people. The church is going to make America great again. I am not, I am not without hope. I am not without encouragement this morning. I have the utmost confidence in the church and in this country. God is not finished with America yet. He is going to use the church to make her great again. My hope and belief this morning. Some of you don't believe that, but I'm going to say it until you believe it. My hope and belief is that we are heading toward a great awakening and a great spiritual renewal and a great revival. I believe the Spirit of God is going to be released again on a nation through the church of the living God, and it will make her great again. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't be disheartened, dispirited, downcast, depressed, or dejected. I'm telling you, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. We're not finished yet. Don't bunker up just yet. Kenneth Copeland recently said this, and I love it. He said, God chose Israel, but America chose God. And God hasn't forgot about our nation. God chose Israel, but America chose God. And God hasn't forgot about our nation. There is, you know, people are down on the United States. I'm telling you, there's not a greater force for good in the world. And I'll tell you how. Even in just one area, we are the greatest force for good. We have sent missionaries all over the globe. We have funded their missions. We have funded their resources. We have funded the gospel of the kingdom of God. We have done a great work. And God is not through with this country yet. Yes, there's been some failures. Yes, there's been some flops along the way. Yes, there's been some things that we're not proud of. But we got more to be proud of than we got to be discouraged about. Amen. Get tired of people being down on their country. Listen, the church is the key to victory this morning. And I say to you, God hasn't forgot about this nation who loved Him enough to rise out of obscurity and build on a foundation of faith. A nation who fled religious persecution so it could serve and seek the Lord God Almighty. A nation built and founded upon the principles of freedom in Christ Jesus. And a nation, one nation under God. God is not through with America. America is on the rise this morning. I said the church is on the rise this morning. We're going to occupy the gates of influence again in this nation. This is our country. 
God has given it into our hands. And the enemy cannot have it. So no matter Democrat, Republican, don't care about that. What I care about is the blood-bought church of the living God. It's the difference maker. It's the power broker. It's the full of the unleashed power and dominion of God that breaks the shackles of hell off of a nation. Isaiah 61, verse 1. Turn there with me. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. It's upon the church this morning. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon the church. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent us to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. And love verse 4, because it speaks of the restorative power of a God who's not finished with our country, but He can rebuild. He can take the old waste places and He can make them new again. It says in verse 4, They shall rebuild their old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. It's not over yet. God's not finished yet. As long as we can draw breath in our lungs, as long as the church still remains on this earth, God's not finished with us yet. I'm going to proclaim the truth. I'm going to declare God's Word. I'm going to speak to the the nation. I'm going to do everything that I can to make a difference in somebody's life. Somebody, come on this morning. The church is the church that's going to make America great again. And He's going to do it by the power of God. Morgan, would you come this morning? So here's the condition on which that happens. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. I want to read you multiple verses through 16. It says, if. It's conditional. If. If my people. If my church. Who are called by my name will humble themselves. Get off their high horse. Quit standing on the sidelines under the idea of piety and righteousness, but engage and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. He says in verse 15, Now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. That's what we want to usher in. A restoration, a renewal, a revival. God is going to use the church. And let me just tell you, if it's going to get done, it's going to be because the church does it. If it's going to happen, it's going to be because the church does it. This is huge. We're stronger together and we are going to make America great again. Let's do this together. For all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m.
If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I